one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. I remember just making the same noises kind of over and over again. <laughs> no need. What three wrestling matches would you watch if you were stranded on a desert island? This is what I'm asking wrestling's best. In the ring, around the ring, behind the scenes, or behind a microphone. I'm Tom Campbell. Thank you for joining me on Cultaholic Island for another episode of Desert Island Graps. Finally. Finally, I'm rid of LK Mezinger. Which means, finally, I'm free to focus on me. There's no Bolarama, there's no nothing to prove, and there's no experiment in terror. At the first annual Embassy Bingo Cate's Invitational Classic, I stand alone. Which means, for once, the odds are actually in my favor. At Mistletoe, I was dominant beyond any doubt. And the Classic? It's going to be no different. 2020 is the year of Elijah. And I'm going to prove it. Elijah, how are you doing? Hey, man, how are you? All good this end. More importantly, are you doing all right over there in Cardiff? I'm doing okay, yeah. I've got plenty of uh, nice fields and sheep to walk in, so I'm keeping busy. <laughs> Don't walk in sheep. They've told you about that. <laughs> um, how, you're a guy who goes to the gym quite a bit normally. You've said before like you've got quite a, a strong gym regimen. How have you coped with the gyms being shut? Um, it's definitely been a struggle, to be honest. Um, we had a sort of brief couple of months where they were open again, which was really nice. Um, but I'm back to... The living room gym for now. What do you um, use to improvise in the living room gym? Well, I got myself a, a little flat bench online. I managed to get a cheap one, so I'm using that. And then it's mostly just been uh, a deck of cards, unfortunately. <laughs> and a just deck of cards? Numbers. Yeah, so you pick an exercise for each suit in the deck, and then you pick a card, and whatever number's on the card, you do that, that number of exercises. Okay, so off the top of my head, if if I was to have the deck of cards for you and I was to pick out the three of clubs, what would that be? Oh, well, you'd have to decide beforehand. Oh, okay. I thought you had like yeah. a set, <laughs> set of rules yeah. as to, oh, if it's that, then you run around the block 27 times. It is, <laughs> how, do, how do you stay sort of mentally in the game during during a time like this, a time that we live in? Um, 
for me, probably mostly it is exercise that kind of keeps me sane. So as long as I'm doing something to kind of work on my fitness, work on myself every single day, then that's kind of keeping me going, to be honest. Um, and just the hope that soon we'll be back wrestling. <laughs> it feels every day we're getting a little bit closer to that happening. Um, yeah, we're going to, by the end of this, we're going to be, we're, by the end of our conversation today, we're going to be desperate to get back to it because <laughs> we're going to so. be talking all about it. But before we do that, we have to send you on to a desert island, Elijah. That's what's <laughs> happening today. And, to, and to, to, to go with you to the desert island, we're burning a DVD of three wrestling matches that you can watch whilst you are there. Uh, matches that may not be the greatest wrestling matches of all time, but matches that may have a, a, a significance to you, of something personal to you and a connection to, to different times. So what would you like your first match to be, Elijah? My first match, I've chosen Triple H versus Cactus Jack, Street Fight from Royal Rumble 2000. One thing mankind is not is ready to face you in a street fight at the Royal Rumble in Madison Square Garden. But I think the bands deserve a substitute in that match. I think you know the guy. would you have been when you saw this match for the first time i was nine years old and i remember it because this was the first wrestling show i ever saw what led you to watch it in the first place <clears throat> well <laughs> so the way that i got into wrestling was basically through we would have toy day at school I don't know if you had that in your school. Yeah, like so, the last yeah. day of term or something, you could bring yeah. in toys and games and stuff like that, yeah. Yeah, so some of the, the boys in my class started bringing in wrestling figures and a, and a wrestling ring. And I didn't really know what it was, but I'd kind of join in and, and play along. And then uh, my one friend was like, oh, I've taped this show. It was on Channel 4 last night. Do you want to come and watch it so you can learn like what wrestling is? So I went to his house, and it, it was Royal Rumble 2000, and that was the first... First time I ever really saw wrestling. What were your first impressions of watching wrestling? It was just super exciting to me. Like, because there's such a variety of matches on that particular pay-per-view. And obviously you've got the Royal Rumble, so it's a great introduction of here's 30 characters. Mm. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, okay. So this is this is wrestling, cool. <laughs> um, and that match for me just stood out because as a nine-year-old <laughs> watching wrestling, there's so much like blood and violence in that match. But I've I've watched it so many times since, and at different periods in my life, it's kind of I've looked at it in different ways. If that makes sense. 
Yeah. It, it, talk talk it. to us about um, some of the ways in which you've watched that match then and what you've taken from it in different ages in your life. Yeah. Okay, cool. So I, obviously watching it as a child, it was just kind of a shock factor, really. But I remember just thinking that Mick Foley was the coolest person in the world at that point. And then going back and watching it kind of in my late teens and kind of starting to see, okay, well, there's a good guy and a bad guy element to this story and understanding it from that perspective of, you know, the storytelling of the match more so. And then even more recently, watching it back again, I watched, I watched it back during the, um, the lockdown and looking at it from the point of view of a wrestler and breaking it down even more. It's like, there's so much detail in that match. It's so good. It's a really rich match and it's just full of little moments. Is there something, you watched it recently in lockdown. Is there a little something that you watched from match that, that that when you watched it in lockdown hits different to when you watched it for the first time? Um, it's a tricky question. Only from the point of view of just not being able to wrestle myself and kind of like seeing what they did and, you know, you take on ideas from that then. You know things so I'm what's like, an idea that you took from from that match um it's not so much an actual kind of segment of the wrestling as such but just the way that Triple H carries himself in that match you know he's like it's just when they've started to give him that big heel push he's got Stephanie McMahon by his side and he just looks like the most badass guy ever and then at the end he's he's got a face covered in blood but he did it you know what I mean yeah. It's so cool. There was something, there, there is an art to Triple H at that point is, as a heel who just bounces around for everybody. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the, the, the art of making someone else look good in, terms make, in turn makes you look good as well. Oh, yeah, uh, definitely. Uh, nine-year-old Elijah watching wrestling for the first time on, on Channel 4. What questions did you have at the end of that wrestling? <laughs> uh is that guy okay? Was the first one. <laughs> I think, yeah, I would probably be my first one as well. <laughs> I'd never seen kind of like blood and gore in my life at that point. Do you know what I mean? So it was like, that, I mean, his face is covered in blood at the end, Triple H. It was shocking to me, but just so exciting at the same time. It was a moment. It was. Um, to Let's talk about you growing up. You're from... Uh, from Cardiff, from a beautiful part of the country in Wales. Uh, what was, when you've discovered wrestling at the age of nine and you wanted to, to to experience more of it, what was the scene like when you were growing up? Um, where you were growing up? Well, for me at that point, it was mostly just kind of recording onto VHS from like one in the morning when the pay-per-views were shown. So I remember I, I'd always ask my mum's partner at the time who had sky sports can you can you tape this show for me can you tape this show for me and i'd, I'd be like calling them up the night before like please have you set the tape please tell me you set the tape. <laughs> like, i don't want to miss it and then i'd watch it with my breakfast the next day and just be so excited for wrestling and i was kind of like that then from the age of nine to about 13 just didn't miss a pay-per-view there was no way i was missing a pay-per-view on the rare occasions that they were the, the bigger ones on Skybox office, I'd just do everything I could to somehow get hold of that as soon as possible. When do you remember going to your first wrestling show live? Um, I went to a WWE 
house show in Cardiff Motor Point Arena. Um, it was actually quite a while later. I want to say it was 2008. So how old would you have been then? 18. So, you, so, that was, so you went quite late to your first live wrestling show. Mm-hmm. How, how did it how did um how did it come about that you went to to that show uh, I had a friend who was also into wrestling um, kind of at the end of high school um, and we were just talking about wrestling all the time like the wrestling that we'd seen when we were younger because I kind of I stopped watching a little bit in my mid-teens um, so talking to him kind of brought me back into it and then he text me saying that there was a show in Cardiff and that The Undertaker was advertised. And I remember just thinking, we we have to go to that show. So we got tickets and uh, I think Jeff Hardy was on the card as well. I remember just being so excited to see the wrestlers that I'd watched when I was younger at that point. Who was somebody that stood out to you that night that you probably didn't expect to be wowed by? Uh CM Punk, that was the first time I ever saw CM Punk was at that house show. And I remember thinking, he's kind of like me. Uh, you know what I mean? I like that guy. <laughs> and then that kind of threw me back into WWE at that point then. Did you know much about, obviously you, you drifted away in your teens, you came back into it when you were 18. Uh, now you've got a taste for it again. Did you have much uh, experience with the indie scene before you became, before you went on to train? Did you have much ex- knowledge of the indie wrestling scene in, in Cardiff and in Wales? I didn't, no. Not until I started training. I was, I sort of always wanted to go and train myself, but just couldn't kind of find anything really you know you google stuff and little things pop up but nothing that looks legit is going to come up as the first search on google i mean it does now but then it didn't so i didn't really know much about indie wrestling at all until i started training what was it that made you decide this is a a popular question that we ask on here and it's always interesting to to see those moments where the light goes off or the light goes on, rather. Uh, what was the moment where you went, you know what, I'm, I'm back into this, I'm enjoying watching this, I actually want to get in there and do this now? Um, I started training quite late, really. Uh, I was 25 when I started training. Uh, I'd finished university. Uh, I went to university with LK Mezinger, who's a wrestler that I've tagged with um, at several promotions. And it was actually him that suggested it to me. We were out at a pub one night. We both just finished uni kind of catching up and he was like I, I know this school in Cardiff that you know I was doing wrestling training is that something you might be interested in coming along I was like yes absolutely yes couldn't have been more excited what, um, are you, what were you studying at university we both studied music so what would the plan have been for yourself had wrestling not come back around um well I was in a metal band at the time that I'd been in since I was 19. Um, And we were kind of doing quite well with that and playing gigs all over the UK. And that was something that I was 100% focused on pursuing. And then wrestling training came along and bit me. (laughs) There's no turning back from there. Do you think, um, what, where do you think you would have gone in the, in the, in the metal scene? Where do you think, how far do you think you would have gone? Um, I'd like to think we would have done really well. It was kind of unfortunate, like our best release 
came after I'd already decided I was calling it a day. Uh, so I would be very interested to have known how well that would have done had we been full steam ahead. But I'd like to, to think that we would have done well. It seems like it's a it's a career path that you could maybe even blend with the wrestling scene, the idea of somebody who is uh, heavily into the music scene as you are and being a wrestler. Would you Have you ever thought to combine the two elements in some way? Um, not really. I know the two do kind of come hand in hand. Obviously, you've got people like Chris Jericho that front a band as well as wrestling. Um, Mark Andrews, who... I train with um, the same, but for me, I've always liked keeping things quite separate. Yeah. Um, and, you know, people have said things like, Oh, why don't you use your band's music for your entrance music? And I just, for me, I just like keeping things away from each other. If that makes sense. Yeah. We will, we'll, we will keep the music and the wrestling separated. We'll move on to the wrestling, but just <laughs> wrap up the music part. Who's on, um, who's on your heavy metal Mount Rushmore? Oh, now you're asking. Throwing the Uh, big questions at you, fella. Throwing the big questions at you. Uh, I'm a big fan of the band Every Time I Die. So I would put Keith Buckley on there. Uh, mm. Oh, you put me on the spot with this one. Yeah, this is... Some accuse me of asking too many probing questions. I think this might be one of the most probing questions we've ever done. We've pushed pushing you for a, a heavy metal Mount Rushmore like this. I like it though. I like it. Um... Well, I'll tell you what, do you want to park that? And then yeah. at the end of the interview, I'm going to want an answer. Okay. That sounds good. Right. Okay. We're going to park that. We're going to leave that right there. Uh, <laughs> You were wrestling training, if I am correct, with Dragon Pro. That's right, yeah. And uh, and the the names that come out of Dragon Pro Wrestling just speak volumes for the, the impact it has, not just on, on, on the scene locally, but nationally and internationally. Flash Morgan Webster, Mark Andrews, Wild Boar, Nixon Newell, all from there yourself as well, more importantly. Uh, <laughs> walking into that center for the first time, at the age of 25, would you have been the oldest person starting out? Would you have been the oldest rookie in the room at that point, Elijah? Um, I believe so. I think I was, yeah. Hmm. What was the vibe you uh, when you walked in there? What was, the, what was it like walking in on your first day to training? It was friendly, but I was definitely a little intimidated. <laughs> definitely. Um, what intimidated you? A lot of big personalities in one room, I think which is something that, you know, I'm very used to now. But at the time it was, whoa, there's a lot of people in here. (laughs) Even without there being a lot of people in there, if that makes sense. The room felt quite full, even with a small number of people in there. Yeah, definitely. Whose personality really jumps out at you? Um, At the time, the head trainer was Mike Bird, and he definitely got my attention straight away. At the time, he had a... uh, sort of shaved sides on his head and a big, like, I can only describe it as fluffy ginger ponytail. <laughs> it caught my attention straight away. Okay, he's a wrestler. <laughs> so was Mike Bird the one that trained you? Uh, for the most part, yeah. Mike Bird was there for uh, about 18 months. Uh, and then that's when Wild Boar took over the school then. 
So he trained me from there on uh, with Mark Andrews as well. Was there any striking differences between the way that Mike Bird would train you and the way that Wild Boar would train you? Um, Mike was quite intense, Mike, Mike Bird. Um, so we do a lot of cardio and a lot of stamina drills and that sort of thing, um, which was great. And he was super keen on kind of, you know, drilling stuff over and over and over and over again until it sticks, um, which I loved. And then always got kind of a different approach where we really pick apart the things that we do, if that makes sense. So we'll do do things our way and then he'll pick apart that and, okay, what can you do to make that more, even more you, which I really like. He sort of makes it, he personalizes the stuff that you're doing a little bit more. Yeah, definitely. Is there something that either Mike Bird or Wild, Mike Bird or Wild Boar told you that stays with you today? Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure if I could say this. Oh, well, uh... <laughs> but uh, whenever I would go through the curtain in my kind of earlier matches, uh, Mike Bird will always say, good luck, don't be shit. <laughs> <And> <laughs> that's all right. That's always stuck with me. And I, I think it, even if he's not there, I think it to myself before I go through. Okay. <laughs> good it's good to have that little mantra just as you walk through, just something that yeah. kind of grounds you a little bit. I think that whether you're walking out a Dragon Pro, whether you uh, headline a WrestleMania in a stadium somewhere, I think now it's so ingrained into your head Go on, good luck, don't be shit. Let's go. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's, there with you. it's there with you forever now. Uh, let's talk about your second match for your DVD. Uh, we yeah. have, um, we've got one nailed down so far, Triple H, Cactus Jack, Street Fight from the Royal Rumble 2000. What would you like your second match to be? Uh, my second choice, I've gone with CM Punk versus The Undertaker from WrestleMania 29. Nice. So CM Punk was a guy you saw in Cardiff that you really connected with. So this would have been after that, this match went down? Yeah, yeah. This, this is you coming back into it. What, what is it out of, out of all the possible CM Punk matches you could choose? Uh, what is it about this one that resonates with you? Um, I love a good story. And I feel like this match just had the coolest build to it. Um, it was shortly after Paul Bearer had unfortunately passed. Um, and I couldn't believe it at the time, but they used that as part of the story mm -hmm. and just drew you right in. You had Heyman as well was managing Punk at the time. There's the little bit on the, on the road to the match where Heyman comes out dressed as Paul Bearer. Oh, it's just, it just, I loved it so much. <laughs> there was the, there was a moment that got that got them in a lot of trouble with some people. And it's it's how you say, like, this is a very... The story to this is is excellent, but it's very close to the knuckle. When is, yeah. uh, Undertaker was beaten down on the ramp and CM Punk takes the urn, presumably containing Paul Bearer's actual ashes, yep. and pours it all over the Undertaker. Like, weeks after this guy had actually really passed... And the, the, the general school of thought is it's what Paul would have wanted to have been involved in this way. Where, what was your reaction to, to them doing something like that that was so close to the knuckle? Um, it was shocking. It was definitely shocking. But it just made me more intrigued for the match. And then 
the more I think about that, the more I think that is what he would have wanted. That is what he would have wanted was them to use that to just make that match as big a deal as they could. And they did. How did you, where did you remember, when did you watch this match for the first time? Uh, I would have been at university at the time. So in a uh, not very nice student flat, I would have, I would imagine. <laughs> did you have, did you, was it, would, was there like a, a collection of wrestling friends that you had at uni that would have watched it with you? Yeah, I had a couple. I don't think I watched it with them. I remember, I distinctly remember watching this match on my own actually. Um, and then kind of talking about it afterwards. Uh, I think I was just laying on my bed in my student flat watching this one. Nice, nice. With with that match, is there a moment in it that you, very much as we said with like the Triple H Cactus Jack match, is there a moment in this match that still stands out to you as something that, that popped you, that, that, that got you off your yeah. seat, got you off your couch even? Yeah, I think the, the kind of close finishes or almost finishes in this match, I just bit to every single one because I genuinely didn't know who was going to win. That I felt like they built this in a way that Punk could have genuinely been the one to end the streak. So I was I was waiting for it to happen and then take a kicks out of the, the go to sleep. I was like, oh, <laughs> okay. And then, of course, take a prevails. And I was happy with any outcome in that match. I just wanted to see the match itself. That's when you know you've got a good match on your hands is it doesn't matter what the outcome is. If you're drawn into the match... Yeah, then it was a win. story, and I just wanted to know how the story ended. And yeah. it was perfect. Uh, going back to, to Dragon Pro, uh, can you remember the first time that you were told, good luck, don't be shit, <laughs> through the curtain? I can, yeah. Um, my first match had Mike Bird in it. So. Oh, <laughs> In that case, he was telling you, please don't be shit. <laughs> yeah, please don't. That must um, have been a great comfort to to have that. I'm, not that it wouldn't have been anything, but you know, you, you're be, you know, you're the best work that you could offer. But to have your trainer out there with you must that must have a, a sense of relief to have him out there. Definitely. Like I was so much more relaxed because of it, and I wasn't relaxed in the slightest. So <laughs> that's saying something. Um, yeah, I mean, just knowing that you're in capable hands in your very first match, I was so lucky. <laughs> was there something in your first match that you either were told or you look back on and realise you did too much of or not enough of? Um, I rush a lot. Mm. Oh, I rushed, sorry, in that first match. Um, <clears throat> I remember being told you just got to breathe i remember almost hyperventilating from just breathing so fast and being so excited to be there um but you know that came to detriment my performance um as far as things i maybe did too much of uh i was just too loud <laughs> i came out loud. yeah i came out this kind of hurricane just excited to be there like i said and i remember just making the same noises kind of over and over again <laughs> no need <laughs> No need at all. Are we Far talking like Cactus Jack noises? Because uh, he's very like, a a And you've got Lex Luger, who seems to offer cliff notes to every move that he does in wrestling. 
Yeah. Like constantly. How, where are we on the scale there? Are we more Cactus Jack uh, or are we more Lex Luger? I'd say more Cactus Jack, yeah. Nice. Just kind of grunting away to myself, having a great time. It's better, <laughs> it's better to be at that end of the spectrum normally. What's been a, um, a favourite match of yours as, as part of Dragon Pro? I keep talking about Dragon Pro. I know that you've, you've done so much more than that, but I know that Dragon Pro has got a, a special place in the, in, the, in the heart of the wrestling industry in Wales, and I know you've been a big part of that story. Uh, but is there a match in, uh, within Dragon Pro that's been a favourite of yours? Within Dragon Pro? Um, yeah. Towards the tail end of, <clears throat> I was going to say last year then, but it was 2019, um, I got to wrestle for the Dragon Pro title against a wrestler called Bino, who has had the title for over a year, I think, at that point. Um, and it was one of those matches where everything just clicked and everything fell into place. And there was no stress, no worry. It just happened, but it happened perfectly, <laughs> which is always what you want as a wrestler. <laughs> A lot of conversations have been had in wrestling this in this particular week of recording, uh, as you're hearing this last week. Uh, there's a conversation between Ryback and Mark Henry, and part of the the disagreement they've had is being about titles and championships. Uh, with with Ryback uh, saying that they're merely a prop and they're not worth anything, to Mark Henry saying, actually, I've held championships in multiple sports and I hold pro wrestling as a championship in that high regard as well. Uh, where do you, what do you see on that? How do you perceive that? And how do you react when people sort of berate the idea of a wrestling championship? I kind of see both sides, but I sway more towards agreeing with Mark Henry on that one. I think that if a title didn't mean anything, everyone would have one, but that's not the case. You have to earn it. And champions are champions for a reason. So I think to say that they mean nothing and it has no value is just, it's just not true. <laughs> that's a good shout. That's a good shout. You, you've, you've said previously that you owe quite a bit to Chris Brooks in yeah. terms of your, your progression. Talk about your relationship with Chris Brooks. Uh, I met Chris wrestling for Attack Pro Wrestling. Um, I was there as ring crew at the time. Um, and it was the, they do a Christmas sort of tour called the Missile Tour or Under the Missile Tour. Um, and he came up to me, we were having a Christmas dinner. <laughs> and nice. he came up to me and he said, have you, have you got your wrestling gear with you today? Yes. Okay, cool. You're going to be on tonight in a, in a pre-show match so we can kind of see what, what you can do. So that happened and then went well, wrestled for attack from kind of from then on really up, up until now. Um, and Chris just always looked out for me and just gave me advice on my character, my gear, you know, promos, what I look like, where I should be, who I should be talking to. He just always looked out for me. Um, and then I ended up wrestling alongside him and Lycos in the King of Trios tournament for Shikara. So he kind of took me under his wing there as well. And that was a huge learning experience for me, especially at the time, because I was maybe a year in at that point. So, so I've always been very grateful. Yeah, that's, I mean, to, to be a part of the, the King of Trios, oh, sadly, Chikara no longer uh, an active promotion after last year. Uh, but, but that King of Trios tournament's really important. Is there a moment from that or somebody that you met 
during that King of Trios tournament that uh, you remember striking up a, a, a conversation with? I would say the guys from, I believe it was House Rot, uh, so Hallowicked, Frightmare, those guys. I remember thinking that they would be the kind of guys that would be very quiet and keep themselves to themselves. But they were like the most friendly guys ever, just offering advice left, right and centre. Couldn't have been nicer dudes. So they were definitely a highlight for me. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hope you're enjoying our conversation on Desert Island Graps. Great conversations live at Audible. Sign up for a free 30-day trial right now and get yourself a free wrestling audiobook in the process. Find out more at cultaholic.com forward slash audible. You started all right in 2020. I think we all did, uh, yeah. to be honest. Uh, you were start of the year, you were doing stuff in progress. Felt yep. really good. Um, and then obviously COVID happened. So that's nice. That's a good yeah. thing. What was, um, you did your show with Progress. Was that a bit of a milestone for you to, to be doing more stuff with Progress? Was that a goal for this year, for last year? Yeah, definitely. Definitely a huge milestone for me. Um, Progress, once I was training, Progress were one of the companies that I was watching regularly. Um, so they were always a goal uh, for me. And that, that debut was uh, a Cardiff show as well. So it was a hometown show and a debut a progress. So it was kind of had it all. <laughs> it was you and Chris Ridgway. Was the, uh, was, was the match everything that you hoped it would be? It was very, very hard hitting. So in a match <laughs> with Chris Ridgway, I'd say that definitely, uh, that ticks the box. <laughs> yeah. It's much. been, uh, it's, yeah, he is, he's a beast. When you watch him work, he's there is there is nobody else like him. Are there plans to do more stuff with progress once things uh return to whatever normal is gonna look like? Have you had those conversations? Um I very much hope so. I very much hope that there will be more with progress. Uh just really enjoyed my time there doing that one show and I'd love to do more. 
They're a, cool, they're a cool company in the UK. How have you felt about being a part of um, the, the British wrestling scene following the, the, the conversations that were had last summer and some of the, the revelations that came from last summer? It's, been a, it's, it's always a, a, a difficult touch point for, for, for wrestling now to, to reflect on it. But uh, as a result of the Speaking Out movement, we had a lot of uh, difficult conversations. A lot of people came forward and a lot of, uh, a lo- a lot of bad people were taken from the industry. And rightly so. Yeah. How are you feeling going into 2021 with sort of the events of that movement and how close it was to the British wrestling family? Uh, how are you feeling going into 2021 about everything? Um, I'm feeling more positive now. At the time, it was disheartening to see all of that. And especially, you know, some people that, that I know well and had a lot of trust for or toward. Um, and I think that going forward, it's only going to be a positive thing that that's happened and that wrestlers, promoters, fans, everyone is aware that that happened and why that happened. And now we can move forward and we can build and make wrestling better. And from what I've seen so far from promotions that are planning on coming back, that's happening. And there's more legislation and there's more paperwork-based stuff to make sure that things are tidy and things are neat and everybody is aware of what needs to be done. And I think it's going to make a huge different, uh, difference Sorry, to how wrestling shows are put on going forward. I think after such a, a rough ride through 2020, uh, I really wanted to chat to, to you among a few others because... You, sir, gave British wrestling a, a, a triumphant end to the year uh, as part of You Are Cordially Invited. Ah, uh, yeah. Which was <laughs> on, honest honest to goodness. Uh, <clears throat> having spent the year reporting on some of the, the grim stuff that's come out of wrestling, to watch you guys, led by, by Charles Crowley, just having fun again. It was just amazing. Ladies and gentlemen, Welcome to the culmination of 2020. I have gathered you all here because you are some of the very best British wrestling has to offer. And I know what you want. You want to wrestle so badly, so very badly. And what I want is to put on a show. So. This is your chance. This is your chance to let off some steam, to get your hands dirty, to fight! The rules are simple. Last wrestler standing enters 2021. Talk to us about your your experience of, of you are cordially invited. Yeah, I, could, I couldn't agree more. It was such a nice way to end what was a pretty horrible year, to be honest, um, especially with no wrestling for us, which is something we love to do. Um, it was awesome. And just, I, I got sent the, the kind of script by Charles Crowley 
And I remember just thinking, this is insane. There's, there's no way this is going to work. And then as soon as we were there and we started piecing the scenes together, he's just got such a vision for how he wants things to be. And that made everybody's life so much easier because he knows what he wants and we've just got to give him what he needs to make that happen. So it was loads of fun. And we got to spend like, well, I was there for two days uh, filming. So I got to spend time with some people that I hadn't seen all year, um, do some wrestling. It got the dust off the brain because we were thinking about kind of how we were incorporating wrestling into the, the kind of narrative of the film as we were going along. So it just ticked all the boxes for a nice bit of wrestling to finish the year on. So I, I was so happy to be involved. Now, give us a little bit of gossip from behind the scenes on it. Something that we may not have seen or uh, as a, a moment that made you all laugh that we might not have, have captured on the, on the show, on the show reel. Um, well, there's a behind the scenes uh, video. I don't know if you've seen that. Oh, there is, isn't there? Yeah, but there's a lovely bit in that where... Um, Big T fell through the uh, catering table. <laughs> oh God, he's a he's a big fella, isn't he? Yeah, he's a big lad. So uh, there were pretzels all over the floor. It was brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> oh bless him. He looks like he gives the best hugs. Does Big T just? <laughs> he does as well. <laughs> it's just what it, what I love is it's a it's a real wonderful combination of guys from the British wrestling scene that, that some already know and for some they're meeting for the first time. It's just a beautiful heady combination of so much so much in there. And uh, are we getting a sequel? Can you can you tell us? Is there another one? I'm not sure if I'm. Oh, that means yes. <laughs> that means yes. Okay, we won't quote you. You can't see me, but I'm winking. We've got one more match to get to uh, for you, Elijah, but I like to spring this on people. Uh As well as taking... (laughs) It's not bad. As well as taking three wrestling matches on a DVD, you're also allowed to take with you a movie, an album, and a luxury item. Okay. So when I say to you, you can take a movie with you, what's the first movie that you think of? Um, I love comedy. I, for me, movies have to be funny. And I know there's a lot of people that will disagree with me on that, but I love a laugh when I'm watching a film. So I would go with, uh, I love you, man. Okay. Why that one in particular? I think Paul Rudd is the funniest man on the planet and any movie that he's in, I'm fully invested in. Um, (laughs) I just remember watching that film and quoting it for probably about five years straight. So it definitely, uh, definitely got in, in the, in the brain. <laughs> nice. How about an album? Um, we're assuming a metal album, but you might surprise us here. Um, yeah. A lot of the music that I tend to listen to is quite kind of sad boy music. So <laughs> I probably would avoid that if I was stuck on a desert Island on my own. What's the saddest sad boy music on a little splinter question? What's the saddest sad boy music? If you if you're really feeling like uh like in a like you want to have a sad moment because we do get there. What yeah. song what song are you listening to in that moment? Um, I would pick a whole album for that cuz uh, being sad takes a long time sometimes. <laughs> it does take a long time. <laughs> so I would go with uh, a band called Counterparts. Uh they've got an album called 
the difference between hell and home. And it's very, uh, what's the word? Very internal. <laughs> oh, right. Okay. So if you need a sad, there's your recommendation. Yeah. But what's the album that you want to take with you though? We don't, you don't want to take that with you because you don't want to, no. you don't want to be sad on a desert island. No. No, that's fine. I, I get that. go with uh, The Real Thing by Faith No More. Beautiful, beautiful. Faith No More, legends of the scene. So uh, good. Why that? Is there a particular reason why it's that album over others? Um, it's one of those albums that I just love every song on. There's no skip button needed for that album. And there's such upbeat sounding songs, even the ones that aren't upbeat in lyrics. It just, it's just such a good album. It's a, it's a motivator, I think. I listen to it a lot when I'm doing cardio and I hate cardio, so. What song comes on that makes you speed up or that, uh, that like just, just, just gives you that extra bit of, bit of tunnel vision? During a cardio session, off that album in particular, off that album, off that album in particular, uh, go with "Surprise, You're Dead." Nice. Okay, I like that. And a luxury item. What are we? So this can be something that reminds you of home. It can be a creature comfort. It can be uh, something that's personal to you. That's got some some uh, some some personal value. It could be a, a useful tool to have on the island if you want to. I'll give you some examples from from the past. Nick Aldis is taking his Jaguar uh, because of reasons. Uh, James Storm is taking toilet paper. He's a big fan of okay. taking some toilet okay. paper. Um, <laughs> former uh, former owner Chikara, Mike Quackenbush, said he was taking one of his lovely suits. He's going to get hot on the island. I ain't got the heart to tell him. Um, but what about you, sir? What are you feeling? I think I'm a man of simple simple needs i'll go with a coffee machine are you a coffee are you a coffee guy i am i'm a coffee man and i love a coffee in the morning how'd you take it i take it with a little bit of milk no sugar is there a particular brand of coffee that you that you go for um i'm not that fussy (laughs) which is why i would take any coffee machine that was available Nice. That, a posh one with the pods, or is that too far? No, I'd be okay with that. Posh pod one. I like it. I like it a lot. Okay, so we've got one more match for you, Elijah. We've had Cactus Jack and Triple H from the Royal Rumble. We had CM Punk and Undertaker from WrestleMania. What's your last one going to be, sir? My last choice is a match from Attack Pro Wrestling. It is Pete Dunne versus Wild Boar versus Eddie Dennis in a triple threat match. Now, it was from uh, How Do You Learn to Fall Off a 20-Foot Ladder in 2016. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love the fact that we have paid views named after those calls from JR. Yeah. That's the finest work. So this match in particular, were you there for that one? I was. I was ring crew for this match. So I was literally a foot away from the ring for this whole match. Talk to us about something you saw in that match when you were up close, a foot away from it, that, that genuinely blew your mind. Was there a moment that that, that rocked and shocked you? Um, there is a moment in this match <clears throat> where all three men have a steel chair and they do a lovely sequence of kind of swinging and missing and eventually hitting each other with the chairs that leads to all three of them being down on the floor. And I remember the crowd erupting and I just thought, this is the coolest. And I 
cannot wait until I'm in there doing this myself. Um, at that point, I hadn't had a match myself yet. So to see that reaction, it was in a, a venue in Cardiff called Walkabout. To see that reaction to wrestling in my hometown, I just it just made me want to be a wrestler even more. How far away were we from you becoming a wrestler at this particular point? A few months. Mm. Yeah, I think my first match was literally two months after this. And were you there every time? I know because the you you talk about how you had the whole have you got your gear with you? You're in type conversation. Is that yeah. would would you have your gear with you every single time? Because it's it's good to talk about these things because quite often we do get people asking about like how do they get into into the wrestling scene and 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 it isn't as cut and dry as you train then you wrestle because as you say yourself you were ring crew you were you were part of building the shows you know and and keeping it all ticking over before you even stepped into the ring. Yeah, exactly. And it, it was always a case of you just had your gear with you because you never know when an opportunity is going to come up. And I think I was kind of a prime example of that uh, attack, especially. So I would be there and I would help set the ring up, like I said, and ring crew and be beside the ring for the whole show. And then one day, do you have your gear with you? And then that opportunity just arises. So, yeah. All three guys now uh, at different levels within WWE. We've got Eddie Dennis yeah. and Wild Boar, who are part of NXT UK, flying the flag there and teaming together, which is nice to see. Yeah. Uh, do you keep up with NXT UK? I do, yeah. Um, obviously, Wild Boar and Mark Andrews, both my trainers. i got a few friends there as well. So I do like to keep up with it and see what everyone's up to every week, especially now that there's such a small amount of wrestling happening in the UK. That is one one place where it is still happening. So I do like to watch it and, and see what everyone's up to. And Pete Dunn himself is over in the States as part of NXT, um, a, a bookie's favorite to become an NXT, the NXT champion before the end of this calendar year, uh, which is which is phenomenal when you think back to watching him at Attack Pro to being, to, to doing that now. Did you have, do you remember having many conversations with Pete Dunn on, the, on, the, on your personal journey through? Yeah, fair few. Um, <clears throat> I was, I've always been lucky to watch wrestling with Pete when he's been at Attack. Um, you know, kind of from from backstage watching the matches that are happening, and kind of hearing his thoughts on them as they're happening is so useful. You know, not necessarily advice, but just hearing his opinion on what's happening is so beneficial to kind of understanding why things are happening at, at what time. It's a, it's a cliche question. I think it's always interesting to ask it anyway. Is that avenue, doing NXT UK and NXT, is that a path that you would like to go down? And if so, how would you like to be able to do it? Um, I think eventually one day, yeah, definitely. Um, right now, as soon as it's possible to do so, I just want to wrestle on the independence and make kind of as much a name for myself as I can in the meantime. And then perhaps down the road, that might be an option for me. And if people want to, we want to get your name out there now. And if people want to find out more about what you are up to, where can they find you online, sir? I'm Elijah Wrestler on Instagram and on Twitter. And I haven't forgotten, we need your heavy metal rap, Mount Rushmore. 
You do. You've had time now. <laughs> Come on. Okay. No, no we're not no, letting we're you go. Put... This will go. Hey, I'm running this. We've had the ad break. I'm running this. We... <laughs> it's the last thing you need to do. You've got to give us the, the Mount Rushmore. Okay. I think I've got one. All right. Well, I've got three out of four, and I'm going to wing the last one. So I said Keith Buckley from Every Time I Die. Um, I think he's the coolest lyricist metal ever. Uh, I'm going with Mike Patton, because we talked about Faith No More already. Nice. I think just so versatile as a singer. I'm picking Nuno Betancourt from Extreme, because he's okay. the most underrated guitarist in the world. Beautiful, yeah. I think I think in in more than words, people forget the the power uh, of the guitar in that. Nice. <laughs> and then I've got to choose number four. Um, I'm gonna go with David Lee Roth as number four. Good shout. That's a thing. That wasn't so hard, was it? No, we got there in the end. Heavy metal Mount Rushmore from Elijah. <laughs> That's what we like. 